This podcast is brought to you by Thomas Nelson, publishers of Believing Jesus by Lisa Harper. This book is available wherever books are sold. You can visit her website at www.believingjesusbook.com. Here's that website again, believingjesusbook.com. I've got David Oyelowo here in the studio. Welcome to CPN, the Charisma Podcast Network. We really appreciate you being here today. Thank you. I'm Taylor, one of the heads of C-Pop, the Christian Pop Culture Podcast here on CPN. And David, you're the star of the new movie, Captive. So uh, thanks for joining me today. Pleasure. All right. So let's start with some basics. Um, so how did you uh, how did you become a Christian? I uh, it, it happened when I was 16. 16 is, is the point at which I became a born-again Christian. Um, I had been raised in a Christian household, but as is the case for a lot of people, I was kind of piggybacking on my parents' faith and, uh, you know, basically went to church because they did. But, you know, as a lot of people have in their teenage years, you're trying to find who you are, what you believe in, uh, you know, I, I realized that it wasn't really true for me. And so before basically walking away from, from it, I uh, made this very naive pact with whoever God was and said, I need you to turn up for me and it needs to happen within three months or I'm going to go off and do whatever I want to do. And, uh, you know, to cut a long story short, he, he literally did. And, uh, you know, I, I heard a voice in my spirit, which I hadn't heard before, say, David, there is nothing you can do to make me love you less. And it was a very palpable, uh, discernible, undeniable voice for me. And uh, it was the point beyond which uh, my life changed, really. So how has that faith continued to guide you in your life, through your acting, um, through just general living? You know, it, it was the point beyond which Christianity, a religion, went from being a religion to a personal relationship. I mean, that opening of communication between myself and God never really abated beyond that day. I mean, there are times where it gets a little less vocal and, and and the audibility dims partly because you know life crowds in and i i get less focused than i should be but he has always been there from from that moment and uh god's voice in my life uh dictated and dictates my major choices things like marrying my wife and the names of all my children the roles i take you know the big decisions i have to make and the not so big decisions i have to make and i I just find, you know, God is much wiser than I am, and uh, my life has benefited hugely from being impacted by God's voice within it daily. That's wonderful. So you talk about having to make big decisions, and your faith helps you make those. How does your faith inform your acting decisions? I was brought up in a household whereby the, the notion of acting was a confusing one, really. You know, academia is what my parents very much gravitated towards. I had done youth theater uh, when I was a teenager, but it was never something I was going to do as an actual job. But a few people came alongside me who really encouraged me and said, we, we believe in you, we believe this is something you could and should do. And so, you know, I applied to drama school, got a scholarship to go 
to the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts. But what I couldn't have anticipated is that somehow my acting would fold into, I guess, what I can call my ministry in a sense. I, my wife and I felt very much called to Hollywood. And when I confusedly asked the Lord why, I was very surprised to hear him say, because I have some great films for you to make. I, I never would have thought God has any concern with movie making. But I guess when you look at how Jesus used parables in the Bible, there is a real power to storytelling. And I feel like I'm I'm seeing that with some of the projects I'm I'm led to and the effects that they're having. Talking about Captive more specifically then, um, Captive really seems to be a contrast between good and evil. So how did you prepare for this role? And in the process, what did you learn about good and evil? You know, I, I'm a big believer in the fact that light shines brightest in the darkness. We see that evidenced in the Bible time and again. You know, that is an R-rated book, the Bible. A lot of heavy, dark stuff happens within it, but it never glorifies the darkness. It puts it in its place. And, um, you know, God is light and always overwhelms the darkness. And I think that, you know, that's one of the main things that drew me to this story of Brian Nichols, who had murdered four people in a day uh, before then taking Ashley Smith hostage on paper. There's just no way that you're thinking anything good is going to come out of that situation. But somehow, through the intervention of Pastor Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, through the com- compassion that Ashley Smith showed to Brian that day, the fact that she was a meth addict herself and so therefore could relate to the brokenness that had led Brian to this point. All of those things contrived to having both of them turn a corner for the better, mostly Ashley Smith, who never touched that drug again beyond that day and has gone on to live a purpose-filled life of her own. And, you know, Brian not killing Ashley Smith, uh, making her his fifth victim, and arguably he would have done the same with himself, committing suicide by cop. So, you know, that that was a situation that was definitely, in my opinion, turned around by the intervention of God. And is that why you think the story of Ashley Smith resonates with so many people, including yourself? Yeah, I I do, you know, and I think it's still resonating, you know. Um, When I read The Purpose Driven Life years ago, the thing I took away from the book is that God's purpose for my life is far greater than that which I could have for myself, and that is emphasized in a greater way with Ashley's story. You know, at that point, by her own admission, she had relegated herself to the scrap heap. You know, a a drug-addicted widow who had lost custody of her daughter. I mean, that's not a life that has much hope within it, much purpose within it. And um, this seven-hour ordeal turned all of that around. I mean, she she, she didn't touch the drug again. She regained her life. And uh, for me, that's the power. That's the power of the story and the miracle of what happened that night. As you were working on this project um, and really getting into the character and the nature of who Brian Nichols was, what did you learn about yourself in the process? Well, I learned how blessed I am, um, you know, to, to, to place yourself in the headspace of someone who could do what Brian did that day. You know, he, he, he was able to justify what he was doing while he was doing it. And I just can't imagine being in a state of mind that would allow you to do 
do that. But in having stepped in his shoes, you, you kind of realize, look, given very different circumstances and a, dev- a very different mindset, and, and who knows the, the circumstances that led to Brian doing that that day, but it just makes me very appreciative that that's not my life. Those are not the choices I have made, and that, you know, I I get to see my wife and kids and, and live a free life, and um, hopefully we'll, we'll continue to make good choices as opposed to those that will keep me captive. That, that's one of the things I, I hope other people take away as well, is that there is an element in ch- of choice in all of this. Absolutely. So with all of the evil that exists in the world today, what do you think is the role of the Christian? Well, I think the role of the Christian is to live the Christian life as advocated by the Bible and with Jesus as the example. I think there is a big difference between talking a good game and actually living it, and I think people are more inspired by um, by a life led than words said. That, I truly believe, is what we need to see more of, that the, the gospel is basically boiled down is, is love God, love one another. And I think if there was more of that in the world generally and in the church specifically, um, I think we would see um, see a, a world changed for the better. That's incredible. I, com- I completely agree with you on that. So did you ever uh, meet Brian Nichols while you were preparing for the role? No, I couldn't meet Brian uh, but because of the nature of the sentence he's serving. He's a uh, serving multiple life sentences and uh you know he's in solitary confinement actually for for most of the day so access to him was impossible but Ashley Smith was on set with us for a lot of the shoot and and was effectively a consultant on the film she'd also written a book called The Unlikely Angel which charts the account of what happened that day uh in quite a lot of detail and then you know just her being on set and, and me being able to moment to moment ask her what feels real and not. And then, you know, a lot was written about Brian Nichols at the time, as you can imagine, and then the uh, footage of the trial that ensued after these events, all of all of which, uh, you know, re- really helped with my preparation. Yeah, were you aware of the manhunt for Brian Nichols and the events as they were happening around 10 years ago, or... Was that something that you learned anew when working on this project? It was something I learned anew because I didn't move to this country until uh, 2007. These events took place in March of 2005. Um, I think it was a very big story, as you can imagine, here in America. It didn't reach over to UK in the same way. So it wasn't actually until I read the, the, uh, an earlier iteration of the script about four years ago that I became aware of the story. All right. Are there any things that you would like to share with the audience of things you learned during Captive or anything else you'd like them to know? Well, I think I think for me, um, you know, one of the reasons I was really drawn to Captive is that it, it is a story of faith, and, and you see how faith is very much woven into the fabric of the real story, and that's something that that we have have tried to do in the film. But, you know, we've also tried to make sure it's a film that doesn't preach in a prohibitive way, in a heavy-handed way. We've just tried to tell the story as it happened. And I I, I truly believe God doesn't need uh, uh, too much of a helping hand when the truth 
uh, of his anointing on a person or a story or a situation is present. And so we've just tried to be faithful to the very clear fact that God's grace was exhibited on that day. So, you know, my real hope and prayer is that, you know, the film inspires and is uh, something that people of faith are drawn to, but that it will also go beyond them to people who um, may be on the fence or have no faith at all, because I think the one thing about about this story is you can't deny that there was something miraculous uh, about it, the fact that this guy uh, killed these four people in Atlanta, Georgia, and then found himself in Duluth, Georgia, in Ashley Smith, Smith's apartment that she had moved into the night before, and then they go on to have this interaction that the effects of which is still reverberating till now, where now we've even made a, a film of her life, and it's it's a, it's a story really about redemption and and, and getting a second chance, which, you know, is something that whether you're a Christian or not, I think everyone uh, walking the earth today can either relate to or would like a chance at. And so that's what we really hope for the film is that it talks to everyone. All right. Well, thank you very much, David, for joining us today. Thank you. Captive comes out on September 18th, and we recommend all listeners to uh, go check it out. Tiny two-letter word, if, it's the hinge on the door of possibilities. Some of us are stuck in the if-onlys and if I would've, if I could've, and our life is measured by regret. But God can turn our ifs and our regrets into a what-if attitude, a faith that looks forward to the future with holy confidence. You know, there's 1,784 ifs in the Bible. The most significant, if God is for us, who can be against us? Let me ask you that today as you're listening. If God be for you, who can be against you? Who could be against your dreams and your hopes and all that it is that God has promised you? It's a game changer. God is always on our side every day in every way. You can find the book If at ifbook.com. It's published by the Baker Publishing Group. I really hope you get a hold of this book and stop using the word if in your life and start thinking about now. The If Book. Thank you for sponsoring this podcast. All right. Today we've got Ashley Smith in the studio. Welcome, Ashley. Hello. Your life story just got turned into uh, the new movie, Captive. How's that feel? Yeah, it's very surreal, um, but definitely very happy that the film is done and everyone's going to get to see what an amazing job it was done. Absolutely. Um, I've seen it myself, and I can attest that it's it's a really well-done film. Uh, so <laughs> I do enjoy it. This is obviously, it was a big story 10 years ago when it broke on the news, but uh, just for some of our audience who may not be aware or who may have forgotten, can you remind our audience about your story? Yeah, um, in March of 2005, a man escaped from the Atlantic Courthouse. Um, he was on the list for um, over four hours. During that time, he was on the loose. Um, he encountered me walking out of my apartment um, to go to the store. Uh, when I came back, he was waiting on me and took me gunpoint um, into my apartment. Um, there that he held me hostage for about seven hours. The next morning, he just let me go free. Um, no hesitation. 
and uh, it changed my life, actually, for the better. Uh, there was a horrible tragedy after four people lost their lives. Um, uh, changed my life for the better and then gone on to, to try to live for the Lord. Yeah, and I know that uh, faith played a very big part in that, right? Yeah, faith has definitely played a role in my life and in that night. I was raised in a Christian home. I went to private Christian school. And as a teenager, I got off on a, a bad path of doing drugs just because everybody else was doing it. Um, it kind of became a way of life for me, though. As in my 20s, I got married, and um, after about two and a half years of marriage, I lost my first husband to a, a brutal murder. He was stabbed to death. Oh, um, and, you know, as a result of that, I began to cover up the negative emotions that I was feeling, anger, fear, sadness, um, with just more drugs and Eventually, I got strung out on drugs, um, on meth, lost custody of my daughter. And that's kind of where I was in my life when Brian Nichols came into my life. Um, you know, there was a definite turning point in my life that night. I was held hostage for seven hours, but about an hour and a half into that, Brian Nichols asked me if I had any drugs, and I did. Um, I gave them to him, and he asked, the, he asked me to use them with him. Um, and, and I didn't, I felt like it wasn't Brian Nichols that was asking me, but it was God asking me, did I want to continue living that life? Because if I did, he was just going to let me die and bring me home. Um, but if he wanted me, if I chose not to do the drugs, then he had a different life for me. And I chose not to do the drugs, I chose to have a different life. And, you know, quite honestly, I didn't know if that life was going to be different for five minutes or 50 years, but I knew I wanted change. Um, and, and gratefully, thankfully, um, 10 years later, here I am with a new life, and God has really blessed me where I am. So the seven hours definitely were filled with faith after I chose not to do the drugs. Um, I began to read the purpose-driven life. I had the purpose-driven life in my apartment that night and felt the need to replace doing drugs with Bible verses and something that had to do with God. So um, I, I grabbed the purpose of a life, and Brian Nichols allowed me to read it to him. Wow. I'm I'm going to guess that you didn't expect to be able to have that opportunity to even read through it with him. <laughs> um, you know, I definitely didn't, but when I, I, I just asked him if I could read, and he said, you can read if you read it out loud, and you know, that then showed me that maybe God was, was actually in control, and I, I just tried to, to t- live every uh, moment from that point on one step at a time and allowed God to lead me through the rest of the night that I was being held captive. Yeah, I was going to say during the movie it shows you praying, uh, I think only one time explicitly there, but I have to imagine if I was in that situation, I would probably be praying quite a bit. (laughs) Were were you praying more than the movie let on? Um, Yeah, definitely. And, you know, definitely just every chance I get, every chance I got was just God help me to make the next best choice. Please just help me through this. You know, I was in a very bad place in my life, and and I hadn't talked to God very much up to that point. Um, You know, I I had been reading The Purpose Driven Life for about 32 days, so um, I had been talking to God more in the last 32 days than I had in the last probably five years, but still was very immature in my praying and who I was as as a Christian. And during this encounter, were you aware that this was turning into a huge national news story, or was it uh, was your perspective much more limited than that? No, I think I, I began to realize. I mean, Brian Nichols turned on the TV several different times, and it was on every news station, and it was 
um, around-the-clock coverage, and so I knew that it was turning into something very big. But, you know, I didn't even think I was going to make it out of there alive, though. I didn't know I was going to make it out of there alive until I was actually in my car the next morning and around the corner and realized, okay, it's over, I can breathe, I'm alive, and now it's time to, to be this new person that I found in my apartment that night. Yeah, so once everything was said and done with that and the incident itself was over, uh, I know after those big life-changing moments, it can sometimes be tempting to go back to the way things were before. What allowed you to continue to live for God in this new way? Yeah, I had gone to rehab. I had done the whole sober living every once in a while. Um, I had tried it and succeeded at it for a couple months and then went always go back. But you know, something was different in my apartment that night. It wasn't about sober living. It was about loving God feeling loved by God and wanting to change my life and, and live my life for God. It was, and, and in that, you know, I've stayed clean off of, never done illegal drugs since the day before Brian Nichols came into my apartment, but it's more about been my relationship with, with God and staying on track with that. I mean, that's, that's what's kept me where I am today. I've never wanted to go back to that lifestyle because I, I know that it's always going to lead to the same sadness into the same um, horrific life that I had before. So I think what's kept me the most is just knowing that God loves me and He has a plan for my life. That's incredible. So when uh, you were working on this film now, 10 years later, looking at people basically reenacting this horrible but also life-changing experience for you, did that really contrast your life now with your life back then? Yeah, I mean, it really helped me. As I watched the film, it, it, it helps me see each time I watch it where I came from and where I definitely don't want to go back to. But, you know, I see a lot of differences in who I was then and who I am today. Just maturity and, you know, also the choices that I make. It's very important that um, I think about the choices that I make, not just for myself, um, but for my family and my husband, my children. And, and try to be a positive insight on society today. You know, using my um, brokenness and my past mistakes is—it's not always an easy thing. As a matter of fact, it's never an easy thing to do. But knowing that if I share that with other people, they may change their lives as a result of it. Um, it makes it worth the while. And with sharing your story now with such a mass audience, millions of people around the country who can now go see the film in theaters. What do you want those audiences to take away from the film? I want people to know that it's never too late to turn your life around, um, that there's absolutely nothing we can do to make God not love us. And even in our brokenness, he's still there. He's always got a plan for our life. And it's all about seeing our lives, not about staying in, in the mistakes that we've made. Those mistakes don't have to define who we are today. They're just past decisions that we made. We need to rise above those and get back on the path that God has for us. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for anybody else. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, so <laughs> I know that after the incident, um, you actually spoke with Oprah Winfrey and uh, Rick Warren. What was that like? Mm -hmm. Of course, talking to Oprah is very surreal and, and <laughs> excellent. Talking to Rick Warren was even more touching and, and life-changing for me because you know, when you when you talk about 
God and, and your story involves God in the world today. A lot of people don't understand that or don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that God is the answer, that things turned out for the better. Um, and so, anyway, I first started telling my story nationally to news and in, in talk shows and things like that. Um, I was kind of asked, you know, we don't, not everyone wants to hear about Jesus, and, you know, we love miracles and, and blessings and stories like that, but not everybody wants to hear about Jesus. So I was very intimidated by that, but Rick Warren encouraged me and told me that my story was Jesus, and I needed to be bold about that and not let anybody um, discourage me or hold me back from sharing what he did in my life and giving him the glory. And so, I don't know, just that affirmation and that support and hearing him say that has really helped me to let the world know that God changed me, reached down into the pits of hell that my life had become, and he changed me that night. Wonderful. So why do you think, I want to touch on something that you said before, why do you think that the media is okay with talking about the blessings or the good things that God does, but they don't want to talk about God himself? I don't have any idea. I would like to know the answer to that question. <laughs> you and me uh, both. Especially, especially when people invite you and they know your story already, but then they don't want you to tell the whole thing. Uh, I, I really would love to know that. But, you know, today I choose to tell my story the way it happened, and uh, whether you like it or not, that's the truth. So I have to imagine that when you were first meeting for the film with the producers, you had to tell them early on, like, this is going to be about Jesus. This is going to be about Well, God. you know what? We prayed for that. I prayed, actually, I prayed against the film, and I said, Lord, I don't want this to happen if it's not going to glorify your name. Um, and, and so for 10 years, you know, we kind of, we've taken a couple steps forward in different directions, and then we've taken a couple steps back. And um, I, I'm happy to tell you that when I walked on set this time, it wasn't necessary. Everybody there knew what the story was about and everybody there wanted to tell the story the way it happened nobody wanted to hide the fact that god was was alive in my story that god was there and that he was the reason that i made it out of there alive i'm i'm talking about directors producers actors film everybody knew that god was the story and they were there to tell it and so it, it was a very unbelievable experience for me. I think that's what made me happiest was to know, you know what, he is in control here, and, and, and this movie is on his timing, and his time frame, and he selected each person to work on it. I believe that was on my heart. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience today? Oh, I think we're good. Thank you so much for letting me be on. Thank you so much for having us. The movie is Captive. It comes out September 18th. Thank you so much for joining us in the studio today. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. <laughs>